Welcome. I'm Anna. And I'm Chanel Constance. And you're listening to Ebony Musings. This literary podcast was created to provide a safe place for Black women to discover wellness, balance, and self-care through literature. Join us in conversation as we dive deep into the importance of self-care, balancing our lives, and how literature has played a big part in our own personal healing processes. Let the journey begin. Listener's note, this episode contains spoilers. Welcome, I'm Anna. And I'm Chanel. And on today's episode, we are discussing Black Women, Black Love, America's War on African-American Marriage by Professor Diane M. Stewart. Stewart is an Associate Professor of Religion and African-American Studies at Emory University, specializing in African heritage, religious culture in Caribbean Americas, and womanist religion thought and praxis. She was born in Kingston, Jamaica, and grew up in Hartford, Connecticut. She obtained her BA degree in English and African American Studies from Colgate University, her Master's of Divinity at Harvard Divinity School, and a PhD in Systematic Theology from Union Theological Seminary in New York City. Dr. Stewart is the author of Three Eyes for the Journey, African Dimensions of the Jamaican Religious Experience, Black Woman, Black Love, America's War of African-American Marriage, and Obia Orisha, A Religious Identity in Trinidad. Her works have been published in the Washington Post, Oprah Daily, and other outlets. In this analysis of social history, examine the complex lineage of America's oppression of Black companionship. According to the 2010 U.S. Census, more than 70% of Black women in America are unmarried. Black Women, Black Love reveals how four centuries of laws, policies, and customs have have created that crisis. Diane Stewart begins in the colonial era when slave owners denied Blacks the right to marry, divided families, and in many cases, raped enslaved women and girls. Later, during Reconstruction and the ensuing decades, violence split up couples again as millions embarked on the Great Migration North, where the workforce system mandated that women remain single single in order to receive government support. And no institution has forbidden Black love as effectively as the prison industrial complex, Mm -hmm. which removes Black men in mass from the pool of marriageable partners. Prodigiously researched and deeply felt, Black woman, Black love reveals how white supremacy has systematically broken the heart of Black America and it proposes strategies for dismantling the structural forces that have plagued Black love and marriage for centuries. How is this book connected to our journey um, with the works of Alice Walker? So remember the last couple of episodes where we were breaking down the color purple and she got all this this really bad press and just Mm -hmm. really bad hate from Black men especially about how Mr. was portrayed in the book. Mm -hmm. And we also discussed how this, the the color purple was inspired by her own familiar line. Uh This is nothing that she made up. This is something, you know, that was real. And then we also talked about how she really wanted to make sure that 
the whole story of the black experience was taught and not just certain stories. Right. So this story of sexual assault, incest, all this stuff. She wanted all of this to be out so mm-hmm. that people can have a mirror and heal. Right. So I chose this book because why did I met at Alice Walker? Like what I just read in the, the summary of the book, it says that white supremacy has systematically broken the heart of Black America. That's yep. actually who everybody else really, really did say that. The state, white right. supremacy. Right. So I chose this book because Professor Diane Stewart, she is a theologian and she's also trained under Dr. James Cone. You know how Whitney's how Whitney Houston said no way no way I want to see the receipts she literally has receipts primary sources books articles that tells us the story about how white supremacy destroyed black marriage Mm -hmm. so Professor Stewart just basically just like shut everybody down yeah so you can see the connection what did you like about this book? Um, to be honest, I I read the book incorrectly. If that's okay. a thing, this is not just like a novel you pick up and you read and then you're done and you put it down. This is one of those books where I felt like I should have. Um, because I tend to do so a lot if I read books if I don't understand, not necessarily just not understand, but like get my own I guess understanding I do my own little research I think that's why it takes me so long to get through certain books and I didn't do Mm -hmm. that with this one so I did enjoy it I know it's a book I need to revisit and read properly but there were also parts I felt like okay she's reaching a little bit oh I don't know I don't see the connection here and there so I thought it was a solid book though well well researched like she came with like as you said her receipts so what did you think? Um, I would give it like a solid four, four point mm-hmm. five. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked all the receipts that she has. The, mm-hmm. the note section is the best part of the book. Well, she's a professor, so of course it's going to be a little academic. Right. And there were some things I did feel like she was reaching a little bit. Not too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like this book reminds me of the love songs of W. E. D. Du Bois uh-huh. by Honoré Honoré Jeffers. If you want like an actual fiction book to kind of go with this book, so they could just so it could just stick, mm-hmm. I would highly, highly, highly recommend the love songs of W. E. Du Bois because with that book, even though it's very long, it basically spells out everything that we're talking about in this book for the most part, especially colorism, slavery. Uh, reconstruction, all that stuff she talks about. Diane Stewart, Professor Diane Stewart is a professor of theology. Mm-hmm. And she trained under uh, Dr. James Cone, who's one of the pioneers of Black liberation theology. And she said this in a, um, in a podcast that one of the things that she remembers him telling us when we were students is that there are five major things in African-American religious history there's suffering, hope, freedom, and love. And mm-hmm. she realized that she talked so much about, you know, the suffering, the hope, the freedom. 
it wasn't a really a lot of um like focus on the love Uh so she decided to create a class about love about romantic love in general so that's that's very creative really really creative Mm -hmm. so she said she created this 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 class in 2004 and you know she she only had the class for a select few but she said it was a line down the hall for people trying to register for the class because they were just so excited to learn about black love you know in history interesting so she really wanted to explore the historical presence and absence of Black love lives through a range of contexts. I like that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And I think Black love in general, um, it really, really needs to be studied systematically, mm-hmm. like breaking mm-hmm. down everything. So she said, this is from my article, from, from the review, she said while she was preparing for the class and her fact finding was so overwhelming it was like wow so she made the difficult decision to tackle black women black love in a book because they were confined that dissected the historic intentionality of making black love and marriage difficult delayed or impossible professor stewart calls it america's unrecognized civil rights issue she wanted to explore more of it and actually have a way for us to engage this in conversation wasn't Toomey Morrison the one that said, like, um, if there's a book that you want, write it? Yes, and that's exactly what she did. And that's exactly what she did, yeah. In the introduction, she says, or she states that marriage is a cornerstone of life. Mm-hmm. She says um, in a note that marital unions become official through religious rites and ceremonies, statutory procedures of social sanctions, and many societies honor multiple marriage arrangements, and it could be between two or more people or between people of the same or different sex. It mm-hmm. can involve love and romance. It could be along political um, allegiances, buying larger families together. It's just a cornerstone or a long, longstanding institution in human culture right. that, you know, that humans should have if they would like to. hmm I wanted to read this quote because it has a very important statistic in it. Across the last century, marriage rates declined and divorce rates increased by record numbers regardless of racial or ethnic background. The beginning of the 21st century is already showing similar patterns. But the data pertaining to the rates of marriages among black women register a distinctive social reality. The 2010 U.S. Census, for example, revealed that in 2009, 71% of black women in America were unmarried. Of that group, 71% of black women between the ages of 25 and 29 and 54% between the ages of 30 and 34 had never been married. So she has a concept called forbidden black love that she kind of illustrates throughout the entire book. And she says that over the centuries, human American rituals of racist sexism have meddled with the love life of far too many black women and men, creating a culture that, for all intents and purposes, forbid intra-racial black love. Mm-hmm. And she deploys the concept of forbidden black love 
to reference the manifold structures and systems, systems such as slavery, prison, industrial complex, welfare, uh, lynching, things like mm -hmm. that, and makes that make um, romantic love, coupling, and marriage difficult, delayed, or impossible for millions of Black people in America. Mm -hmm. So she takes readers from the era of slavery to the era of social media. She studies the, um, the anatomy of forbidden Black love. Gosh, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about this book, and I'm just like, I just really wish, and I'm definitely going to go back and read it. I, I invested a little more time into it because as we're talking about it and I'm reading notes and stuff like that, it's like, there's so much more behind what she's saying. And I didn't get that the first time. This book was really, really heavy. For me. Mm -hmm. like, it was heavy. Like, yeah. Wow. This is a lot. Yeah. It's really a lot. And um, I'm really glad that she wrote this book. She says that um, once the issue is revealed you know, about forbidden Black love and candor, we can shift our gaze to see the crisis in Black women's love and marriage outcomes as a public matter of national concerns. And she says that all Americans, including public servants, policymakers, activists, and religious leaders have a role to play in establishing new structures and creating optimal environments that foster, that foster loving, healthy, and enduring Black couples and communities. So this book, I think, is a first to kind of just dismantle all of the he say, she say about, like, you know, why Black women are single and why can't we get back together and why we have so, so much uh, strife between the two of us, both male and female. This book kind of, this book answers that, but in a historic way. Before we move forward, let me ask you a question. When was this book written? Uh, 20, 2020. Okay, okay, it was written 2020. I was going to say, did you feel like anything that she provided was outdated? No. You felt everything was current? Yes. I have thoughts about that. It's still in my head right now. I'll come up with an answer. It's not really outdated because when you trace you know, if you listen to all these these podcasts, you know, like dating podcasts, uh -huh. um, different relationship books for the black community, I'm talking about. Uh -huh. they, they talk about us not getting along. They talk about, um, you know, why doesn't the 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 black woman respect me? And, mm -hmm. You know, why can't I get a good man and all this other stuff? And I'm just like, the answer's right there. It's because of slavery. Slavery literally broke our psychic bond that kept us together like a spiritual bond that kept us together and we've been fighting to get back together ever since mm -hmm. so I'm not saying that black men, black women are not at fault with some of the stuff that we do to each other but you, right. you kind of got to see where all this mess is coming from it's generational curses from slavery yeah, and where it all this, stemmed from Right. And in the first chapter called Jumping the Broom, the Broom, she discusses this. And this discusses racial slavery and America's roots of forbidden Black love. Never again marry in slavery. A particular piece of advice. Poetic in its brevity and clarity, no other arrangement of five common words could better reveal the contradiction confining enslaved Black women's options for sustained romantic love and marriage during their years of bondage in this country. 
When 24-year-old Margaret Peggy Gardner uttered those words to her husband, Robert, on her deathbed, she certainly was not the first among black women in America to change her mind about the benefits of marriage while legally enslaved. So this chapter through um, racial slavery mm -hmm. and how basically you can trace why there's so much, so much, why there's so much despair in regards to black marriages, why there's not as many available why there's so many psychic bonds that have been broken. This all stems from slavery. Margaret Garner, she is three for Beloved, yes. which Tony Morrison won the Nobel Peace Prize for. There's another book that actually breaks down the true story of Margaret Garner. Modern Medea, a family story. And this story, um, this white guy wrote about um, Margaret Garner. There was three generations of the Gardner family that remained together and they sought refuge at the home of Margaret's uncle, whose name was Joe Pike. The U.S. Marshals and the slave owners cutting them down, they surrounded the house. Robert, you know, tried to protect his family and, and his pregnant wife killed their two-year-old daughter and injured the other children as she attempted to kill them and herself. So if you think about slavery and how as they were coming across the transatlantic, a lot of them jumped off ship because they already knew what was going to happen. So they would rather die than be under bondage like that. So I get why Margaret did it. It's heartbreaking, but I understood why she did it. And there's also proof that suggests that Margaret endured repeated sexual violations at the hand of Archibald Gaines. And her mm -hmm. two fair-skinned children were believed to be sired by gangs. You know, they they either uh, they either dead or alive. It's right. So that's why it's it's just really sad. I mean, one day they split up families. So if you were married or you had a partner, you, they would eventually split up these families and your children, and then the slave masters would then rape these women and young girls and get them impregnated. But they wouldn't allow us to be married to who we wanted. And if they did, quote unquote, allow us to be married, we were forced to marry somebody we didn't want to marry because they wanted us to breed. We became breeders right. for them. We weren't considered right. humans. They, they treated us like cattle. So I can see why yeah, and how uh, Professor Stewart got that. So that makes sense. Yes. Okay, when you look at just slavery in general, right, and we've read many stories of how the enslaved, um, if they were married or have children, families, how they would fight to be free because they wanted to love and be with their families. And white supremacy obviously wouldn't let us do diddly squat. So right. you, you hear these stories about them escaping, um, you know, just all kinds of stories to try to get away and just white supremacy just got in the way. I, it's crazy, though. It's like I said, I read this book a few weeks ago and it's like the light bulb just clicked on in my head. Like, wow, like this makes total sense of what Professor Stewart is saying. 
Yeah, it says here, she says that Seedler's story is central to understanding the foundation of forbidden black love in America. Her as a victim of ritual slave rape who acted in self-defense is incomplete without accounting for her true love and desire for joy. She wanted to be right. in love and as a result, she, you know, it was it's forbidden and she lost her life. And it's sad. Black enslaved women, they were valued for their increased and you know, the childbearing fueled the industries of and wealth of black slave owners who conceived short and long-term investments based on the expectation that natural increase would slow their slave owners. So basically, mm -hmm. we were chattel. Yeah. Right. Man, we suffered so much as black people. Like, we weren't allowed to do nothing, man. Nothing. And then we had to beg to be married to somebody because what came natural, we weren't allowed to have that. And that was so unfair. She also goes into um how how families were broken up she said away from wives and separating families became a common feature of the domestic slave trade in america especially at the revolutionary war one third of marriages were disrupted by the interstate slave trade and many more were broken apart by temporary loans and long-term hiring out you were like the, like right. the dirt like i am right. if you had some some white in you oh you could be in the house you could uh be my chambermaid, or you could dress made or whatever. So this this is done again by slavery, and it says that the psychology of beauty and desire in black forces Eurocentric aesthetic values and ideas pertaining to physical characteristics such as skin shade and hair texture, which is texturism. Slavery mm -hmm. was the petri dish that cultured colorism and phenotypic stratification in the American experience. And she says over time. Psychic inheritance came to dominate the standards of beauty and marriageability upheld by Black families, individuals, and even organizations. Also, like, um, these slave owners misled a lot of these girls where they told them that they loved them and did, did certain things to them. Right. A lot of these women and young girls, oh, he loves me, master loves me, or whatever, and in actuality, it wasn't even like that. So I felt like they were quick to turn away from black men because they felt like black men wouldn't love them like white men. Yes. And I'm and I'm just thinking in general of like different books that I've read where like characters that were the um, slaves, the enslaved women who were you know pregnant by their their slave owners and. They wouldn't turn them in or wouldn't do anything evil to them or anything bad because they considered that love because that's what they were taught from that person and not realizing it's not like that. So just thinking about that and then just in general over time how fair-skinned women, biracial women are more likely to get to be married or have more relationships than darker-skinned women. Yes. Mm -hmm. That all comes from slavery. And the thing is that that marriage didn't really save everyone, as you right. So there was still like abuse, both black men and women. A uh, thing that I really wanted to mention was that, you know, when you're when you go to a wedding, African American wedding, they're usually jumping over the bromance, a, a African American tradition from slavery. She said it's not true. Oh, that's it's interesting. Next chapter talks about 
It's called Slow Violence and White America's Reign of Terror. So this is after slavery. Mm-hmm. After a four year a four year civil war. She said the sheer numbers of roaming black bodies in search of family stability, sustenance, get traffic on public roads, disrupted military operations, and challenged the resources of even the most sympathetic federal officers about maintenance of public health and safety in and around their encampments. And they were trying to really help them. Mm-hmm. So, and they they uh they said that the, the military police they them from campgrounds at times even denouncing the black wives of the fugitive recruits as prostitutes and loose women. And then during this time, you had a lot of stuff going on. Right. If you return to the plantations, uh, there were awful there were awful punishments for those who stayed behind. When you think about that, so those who had stayed behind obviously got some bad stuff. If you were a black man who was pulled in to help in this war and you came back looking for your family, I mean, you were denied them. Yes. They were either sold off because these enslavers had to sell land or they had to sell what they call property because the war was like eating them dry. And these men who went back to get their family once again were denied love. Their families either sold off or hidden or whatever. And just, you know, it's a setup. They didn't consider human enough even conceive of love for anybody, for ourselves, for other people, for other entities. We couldn't even conceive of it. So it was for them. Exactly. Um, It says that the Civil War determined what was possible for Black love and marriage. So they really didn't recognize any polygamous uh, unions uh, or like family, like big families. They they just wanted everybody to be monogamous. Right. Some black women pursue happiness in part through same-sex relationships and marriage. Others identify as heterosexual, never aspire, and those who do not all desire to have children. She also talks about um, how black widows were not treated correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically thought that um, that they were lying. Wanted to get, you know, their husband's benefits from, from serving in the army. Mm-hmm. So she talks a lot about that. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope we have inspired you and help you find tools to make your life just a little bit easier. To continue this conversation, you can stay in touch with us on Instagram at Ebony Musings. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. It would really help our show. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.